Welcome to the KLE Podcast. This is your host, Sean Smith. We are talking today about disciples versus sons. <laughs> there seems to be, I've, I've, I've seen on, uh, in Facebook and in the group, there's been a bit of a discussion about, well, somebody's mentioned disciples and sons. What is the difference? Within the kingdom context, and that's what we need to understand. So from, from my humble perspective and what I understand and what I've learned over the past um, 20, 30, 35 years, that's, I just want to share a perspective on these two areas because there seems to be this controversy or, you know, is, is it one or the other or is it the same thing? So let me first say this. Is kingdom... The kingdom of God is not the church. Okay. Some people have an idea that when you talk kingdom, you're talking church. No, the church, not as the institution or the organization, but the church as the people. We are the church. You understand? You and Ians, us and weans, we are the church, not the institution, not the organization, not the building. We are the church. And as the church, we are kingdom a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of kings, a royal nation, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people called unto God. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are aliens to this world. Our citizenship here is just temporary to any nation that we are residing in right now. But our citizenship is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said we need to petition heaven with this father let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we are in a sense as citizens of the kingdom of heaven we represent heaven by bringing the culture of heaven to the earth we are here to influence earth with his kingdom that's what jesus taught in the gospels so we need to understand that's where we are first and foremost. Now, within the context of the kingdom culture, you understand? The kingdom of God is not a religion. It's not an organization. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion or an organization. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. He came as a king and he was not received by the nation as a king. They wanted a physical king. They didn't realize that he was being sent as a king, but he was also sent as a son. He was sent as a son. He didn't arrive. It says God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He didn't send him with the title or position of a king, but we, we recognize from various times that he, in fact, spoke in the Gospels and specifically when he spoke to Pilate, but also the shepherds and the Mahdi from, from, the, uh, from the east, the wise men from the east, they recognized that a king had been born. And that's what Herod got upset about and why he killed all the, the baby boys at that point in time, because he was, his throne was threatened. Okay, so I'm just setting some context here. Because we need to understand everything that we do really is to bring the kingdom of God. It's not to bring our church or our name or somebody's name. You know, we're not, we're not of 
Paul or Apollos or Bishop so-and-so, Apostle, Prophet, Pastor so-and-so. That's not what we are. We do not represent man or man's organization or man's vision. We represent the vision of heaven, the values of heaven, the kingdom of God. So king, the kingdom of heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is its influence. And we bring that, we are to bring that to the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not the other way around. So we are bringing it to where we live, where we are. Now I say that because, you know, many times what we look at is disciples and sons, we say, am I, you know, I'm not in the church, so this doesn't, you know, doesn't feature on my, on my spectrum of life. But the fact of the matter is, it does, because you're a kingdom citizen, and you are therefore somebody that the commission wasn't just for pastors. The commission wasn't for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The commission Jesus gave in Matthew 28 was to everybody, all of us. So we all have to take the initiative to go, to go and make disciples. As I've mentioned a number of times here and on the podcast as well, I mean, in the live community, uh, Kingdom Leadership Equipping Community, and on the podcast, I've mentioned oftentimes that you know, discipleship, the discipleship is a process. It's not a religious program. It's not something that fits in or doesn't fit in. It is what we do. It is about, it's everything. It's the strategy of Jesus. And it's the one thing that seems to have been slotted in as some kind of equipping track. Ten weeks, one year, equipping track. And that, you know, and you've got to go through these stages, write these exams, get these certificates. And now you are. Doesn't work like that. If you understand the very DNA, the very concept, the very uh, idea that Jesus was communicating, discipleship wasn't new in, in Jesus' time. John made disciples. The Pharisees had disciples. The Sadducees had disciples. And various other, you know, philosophers, etc., around the, around the globe, wherever they were in the earth at that point in time, had disciples. Buddha had disciples. Confucius had disciples. They, you know, everybody made disciples. Now, if you could, so, so within the context of what Jesus was saying was not something new. It wasn't part of a religion. But what Jesus was bringing was, this is how, this is the strategy that I want you to use to bring my kingdom to the earth. Because he said in, in, in Luke, he says, I'm, Luke 17, I think it is. He says, I'm, I'm assigning you a kingdom to his disciples. And so his disciples took that strategy and they began to multiply that strategy. And we can see that from the birthing of the supernatural church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ in Acts chapter 2. From that point onwards, um, we see that there is a constant process of the, the body of Christ being called disciples. They weren't called Christians. They were called disciples. They were called believers, but mostly disciples. But somewhere along the line, that began to taper off. And now, you know, Christian, being a Christian is like the 
outstanding, you know, stereotypical word and definition we use of people. Hey, Shay, good to see you. And uh, Charmaine, thanks for joining me as well. So um, let me pop a, a like to you. <laughs> so um, we need to understand, the, you know, that what discipleship is. So discipleship is a process. Discipleship is a journey. In fact, it's like, I don't want to say you never stop being discipled, but you're always accountable. You're always having input. You're always growing. You're always developing. You always need somebody putting into your life. There's always somebody that has a, a perspective that you haven't got. We are not perfect. We constantly need input into our lives. Amen? We need to grow. We need to grow constantly. As leaders, you should be. You should have a, an absolute, uh, I want to use the word lust for growth, not ambition, you understand, not for position, but a, 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 a something, a hunger in you to grow constantly. In fact, in, in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, he said, I, I want you to desire spiritual gifts. The word gifts doesn't appear there in the original Greek. It's, it's, um, you'll see it's in italics in the authorized version because it was, I want you to desire pneumaticos, which is spirituals, spiritual things. I want you to desire the things of the spirit, the spirit realm. I want you, the word desire there is nearly like lust. It's like that, you know, instead of lusting for the things of the world and lusting for your neighbor's wife, we should be lusting for the things of the Spirit. In other words, there's this absolute unquenchable, uh, nothing holding me, me back desire for the things of the kingdom of God, of the Spirit realm, of God's realm, of the Holy Spirit realm. We should be desiring it. We should be conscious of it. We should be aware of it. We should be wanting it and, and, and drinking of it all the time. From your belly, Jesus said, will flow gush, will gush. Rivers of living water. It's like the, the, the gates of the deep will open up and, and from, the, from the deep of your spirit will gush things of the spirit. So that's what we need to do. So this is a process. Discipleship is a process. It's a process of constantly uh, growing in things. But initially, that was their, their whole strategy. Discipleship doesn't start at the cross. Discipleship starts in the relationship before. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should be bringing the kingdom like yeast into dough, Jesus said. Like salt to, the, to, to bring uh, flavor and, and to bring preservation, uh, to preserve things, to, to change things. Salt, uh, you know changes things and preserves it, gives it flavor, like light that's shining into the darkness. That's what we're supposed to be in, in the kingdoms of this world. We're supposed to be bringing the kingdoms of God. So discipleship, in it, when, to, the word to make disciples is the word matateo. Matateo in the Greek means to impart values, a whole new worldview, not a vocational skill. We think that 
If we make disciples, we've got to make them like us. No, we, we, we think that we've got to train them up into the church, into positions in the church. No, it means to have a total mindset, a total change of how I see things. In other words, my inner eye begins to see things from a kingdom perspective, from a godly perspective, from a citizen of the kingdom of heaven perspective, not from a church membership perspective, not from a a worldly perspective, not from a cultural perspective, but from the kingdom of God's culture perspective. You understand? So we see things, we see people, we see issues, we see problems, we see we see uh, the culture from God's perspective, from Him as King, from His kingdom perspective. That's why Jesus said, change your mind, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. So we've got to see it with a new perspective. So that is done through a relationship and deep fellowship, through a disciple if I can use that word, or mentor, that is skilled to actually impart it. It's like fathers imparting to their children, their moms and dads imparting to their children so that the children grow up and become healthy citizens, become health, people that contribute to the community, to society, to the nation, to the world. You understand? That's what good parents do. Good parents don't hold their children down so that they can look important. Good parents are always developing their children to be better than them, to do more than them, to to achieve more. Whatever it is, it might not be great, you know, titles. I don't want to get into all of that, but you know what I'm saying. So the whole process, the process is of developing uh, the people that God gives us by investing in them, the constitution that we find in the word of God, the constitution, the values, the principles, the laws, what Jesus taught us to obey. He said, teach them to obey those things. And that's what we've got to do by our lifestyle, not because we stand in a pulpit and prophesy and preach, but because we impart. The first thing we need to do as if you're a minister, if you're a pastor, if you're a postal prophet, the first thing you need to do is be building relationships with people and investing into them and growing a team, growing a family, developing people around you. It's not about you and your ministry. It's about developing and discipling people around you. Now, what is the difference between a disciple and a son? It's easy. Disciple is on a process of discipleship, but sonship is the place of arrival. It's the place that you're developing. Now, um, Romans chapter 8 tells us that we have been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit of sonship. We've been given it. We've been given a place as sons to, to as many as received him, to them. John 1.12 says, to them, he gave them the power. The word there is authority, exousia. It's the right. He gave them the right to become sons of God. The word, I looked up the Greek word to become, and it means a process. So, but aren't we sons of God? Galatians chapter 3 tells us that we are sons of God. We're not trying to become in position. We are sons of God. In identity, we are sons of God. But in our how we live, how we behave, how we 
view ourselves, how we view the world, that is a mindset shift. That's renewing of the mind. That's a character change. That's a transformation that needs to take place. And that process is by moms and dads, by spiritual mature parents, 1 John chapter 2, I speak to you fathers, moms and dads, because you've known him from the beginning. I speak to you young men, because you abide in the word and have conquered the evil, overcome the evil one. And I speak to you children, babies, napios, because you have met the father, basically. And so there needs to be generations within the context of us as a community, us as the church, as a community of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. There needs to be a generational process where moms and dads and young men and and children where they mature are passing on, discipling the, the young men and the children into becoming mature. The word sons, to become sons, the word sons there is weos. Now, this is a whole teaching. I'm just laying it out there. It's fast and furious. I'm looking at doing a Kingdom Leadership Academy. And in the Kingdom Leadership Academy, we will, we will talk about these things. So, um, so I just, I'm just throwing it out there as much as possible right now. And you can just chew on it. But I'm trying to give a background because you need to understand what disciples are and what sons are. And so, so there's, there's stages of sonship. It's like that growing up in the house. You are a napios, baby. You're a paedion, which is a young child. You are a technon, which is a teenager. And then you're a weos, a fully mature representing son. We need to understand that, that course, that process. We've got to mature. Jesus matured in his, even though he was gifted in teaching and his ability to confound the teachers of the day in in the temple. You remember when he was 12 years old, but yet he still submitted and grew in knowledge and in wisdom, in favor with with God and man and in stature. That means in character. He still grew up. He still had a process. He still submitted to John the Baptist. Preaching this, learning the message and preaching the same message John the Baptist preached. Go and look at Matthew chapter 4. So we need to understand there is a process of growth, there is a process of maturity. But you can't have one than the other. I saw somebody actually said that um, we've got disciples in the house, but we haven't got sons in the house. Well, if you've got disciples and you've got haven't got sons, then somebody's not doing their job right. Because then you're not doing the job of discipleship. Then it's just a religious organized, a religious program. If it's a religious program, the outcome is just going to be more followers doing what you tell them to do and as often as they need to do it. And they choose whether they like it or not. But there's no transformation. There's no transformation in their worldview. They're not embracing the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven and stepping into their role and their um, their position of, of authority that they're supposed to be in. And of course, you know, I, I uh, let me not get into everything. All right. So to to basically sum this up is that discipleship, disciples, 
are the guys on the process. They nearly like students. They like sons growing up in the house. They are sons, but they're growing up. So they are disciples. When they fully manifest, they will be mature sons. So you are, but you're becoming. You're born, but you need to develop. Does that make sense? When, when my son was born, he was born legally. I, I went and registered him. He was born legally, the son of Sean and Michelle Smith. I've got three boys, so all three of them. Legally, son of Sean and Michelle Smith, born. All right? So we take him home. He has the full rights. I mean, he's got his mother's attention. He goes, where? He gets, he gets parents' attention. We are there to um, nurture him. and. He has mom's full attention for, for, for a number of months. And because he needs that, he's got the right. As he grows up, um, our granddaughter goes, get. <laughs> she, when she wants something, she says, get, please, get. So, um, and we basically, unless it's going to be harmful, we, we, we give her what, what we can, what she needs. So we give her everything that she needs. She has that legal right in the house. Our sons had a legal right in the house. The older they get, they go to the fridge. I always used to tell them, I need to write a menu on the fridge of what's in the menu because they stand in the, in the fridge looking into the fridge, refrigerator and seeing what they can pick and uh, choose. <laughs> and I said, if you keep the fridge open any longer, the Eskimos are going to come and visit us at the house because the cold is going to get out. And so they, um, <laughs> because they just used to stand in the fridge and say, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? What, what, what's for snack? They had a bed. They had a room. They, you know, they had the rights of a son. But in character, they had to grow up and learn to make decisions, take responsibility, be accountable, live with the consequences, be right, do right by people. And with the right attitude, with the right heart, the, the things they say, they can't just say what they want to say. They need to say things, you know, in the right way. The life and death is in the power of the tongue. You understand? And so their thinking, their contribution, their ethic, their work ethic, etc., all had to be fashioned over time. But at a certain point in time, we go, you know what? They now are children in their own right. they sons, but they're adults. They're full grown. They're still my son. My son in South Africa. My son's here. Um, they're all grown up. Some of them have got families, but they all got jobs. They all work. They're all doing what, they, what they're doing in life. But they're still my sons, but I, they're not accountable to me for all every decision in, anymore. They're not accountable to me for any decision. They choose whether they want to share or talk to me or not. But, but they now make their own decisions to do what God's called them to do or, you know, fulfill their career, do with their family. I don't interfere with that. I don't interfere with their family, with, with their decisions, with their actions. I might go and say, do you think this is the right thing? Let's discuss it. But I don't impose what I, what I think upon them. I don't impose my point of view because it's, now it's at a place where they've got to have their own. I've raised them and invested as much as I could to help them have a point of view, to make a correct point of view with parameters and, and, and uh, boundaries for their point of view. So that's what I wanted to share. Uh, that's what I shared with them. And so they've grown up. So they were born sons, but they become. 
All right? So they become mature. Jesus started as a young son, but he becomes, he grows up into being a weos, a, a, a mature son that can represent and reflect the kingdom of heaven. Not Sean, the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so I just really wanted to share with you, there is, it's not disciples versus sons. I, I, I said that just to uh, stir it up a little bit, but it's about discipleship is the process of a son growing up to become a son to the point that he can reflect and represent his heavenly father, not earthly spiritual fathers. Please, let's get out of that. The sons of God are not yet to represent us. They will take what we share with them, what we invest in them, and they will imitate our good example. They will imitate the message that we share with them, the kingdom of God, the values of the kingdom. But if you're not kingdom-minded or kingdom-living, I promise you, you are not going to raise sons with that mindset. You're going to only raise them to the level that you are. So, is there a difference? No. You are a son being discipled to grow up and become an adult son of God that is in the image, you know, is Romans chapter 8 talks about being conformed to his image. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about being transformed into his likeness. Not man's, not to churches, not a Christian but into his image and his likeness. All right? So that's the very substance of what we're supposed to be doing in the house of God. And that's why my, my heart is to see spiritual moms and dads being raised up in the house. You know, it's, it's not about me and it's not about you in a sense. We've got to be maturing people to grow up, to become Moms and dads, sons that can reflect and represent. That's what a mom and a dad, a mature maturity in the household of God is about reflecting and representing the father from the beginning. That you know from the beginning. Go and read 1 Corinthians, I mean, uh, 1 John chapter 2, and, um, and you can see it in various other places. All right. So that's really what I wanted to share with you. Thank you for being with me. Hey, um, if you are jumping on this in a replay, thank you for being with me. Let me end this. Thank you for hopping on to the podcast with me. And until next time, this is Sean saying God bless.